Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Okay, so Martha, you're so great at asking everyone else questions, but I'm going to turn the tables and ask you a question this time. Okay, I'm ready. What is the hardest part of being a nanny that you didn't expect? Oh, this is an easy one. Managing the parents, for sure. I went into nannying thinking it's all about the kids, but there's this whole other half of the job, which is really important for my career progression and job satisfaction. Well, I can totally understand that. As a parent myself, it's often hard for me to understand what my nanny is doing with my kids all day. Right. It's like the work is invisible. I think that's often why it's undervalued as a profession. Absolutely. Well, what if I told you that you could make this invisible work visible? Ooh, how so? Well, it's a new app called Raise Kids. With features like an event log, photo sharing, skill-based activities, scheduling, chat, and care, it will be obvious to parents all you're doing to develop their children, and they will love you for it. Well, that sounds amazing. How do I get it? It's available on the App Store and Google Play, free to download, but there's way more to be explored with a premium subscription. Oh no, do nannies have to pay for it? No, we do not want nannies to pay for it. It's very much designed as a tool for nannies that has huge benefits for parents. And we fully believe that parents should pay for this as a work tool for their nannies. Phew! Okay, just curious, how much does it cost? So it costs $20 a month, which is less than one hour of childcare in most areas. And for the listeners of the podcast, we're giving you one month free, which nannies can use themselves to explore or provide to their employers to test together. Well, that's an easy decision then. Where do listeners go to get this discount? They can go to raisekids.com, R-A-Y-Z-K-I-D-Z, slash Chronicles of Nannia, enter their email, and receive a unique one-time use code in their inbox. Awesome. Okay, everyone go check out Raise Kids app on the App Store or Google Play to explore this professional tool tailored to nannies just like you. Hey listeners, did you know that Chronicles of Nania is on Patreon? I wanted to specifically tell you about the bonus episode for this month. For October, Tessa from Shenanigans and I recorded a bonus episode all about true crime and some of our favorite true crime and why we are fascinated by it. It's a really fun, wonderful episode, very different from the podcast. So if you head over to patreon.com slash chronicles of Nania, you can listen to that bonus episode when you join the wardrobe tier. And don't worry, just like it has been for five years, the podcast is always going to remain free to you. I'm not changing that at all. But if you want bonus episodes, early access, ad-free episodes, a Facebook group that's Patreon only, head on over to patreon.com slash chronicles of Nania and join the community. Enjoy this episode.
And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we have a returning guest, Danny Lebrec, also known as Danny Joe. And he is here to talk to us about social emotional media, which I am so excited. Hello, Danny. Hello, Martha. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to have you back on the podcast. Oh, me too. I've, I'm, I'm honored to be back. And, and uh, I love the nanny community so much. And I appreciate this opportunity to uh, visit with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I looked up our last episode was four years ago. It was October wow. 15th of 2017. Um, it's episode 57 for anyone listening who has not listened to that episode. It is a really, really wonderful episode. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that. It's called the power of play inside Danny Joe's Treehouse." Um, yeah. So before we get started talking about social emotional media, let's hear your journey working with kids. Yes, I'd be happy to to share that. I uh, well, as it turns out, my very earliest pro- professional role with children was as a nanny. As a matter oh, of fact, wow. yeah, I was um, I was going to school at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, I needed to pay for for school, and I did lots of odd jobs here and there, but. Uh, an opportunity came up to work with a family and I adored it. And that led to another job with another family. And that um, eventually brought me into um, early childhood education and development. Uh, So I've, I've always worked with uh, young, young kids. I've always been interested in that, that age group. And yeah. yeah. So, so I was teaching preschool for many years uh, and that was back in Chicago we're in Baltimore now. And I uh, went from early childhood education in the classroom to uh, museum education at the Field Museum. And uh, then from there, I became very, very interested in um, children's media. I was always influenced by children's media, er- early stuff like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and Captain Kangaroo and Reading Rainbow. And oh, I was yeah. noticing, oh gosh, classics, classics, classics the real, so good. I mean, classics for a reason. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Timeless uh, written and, and real human beings, real uh, adult guides, social, emotional guides is what I like to think of them as. And uh, I noticed with a lot of the families I was serving with the media that was coming in um, to their homes and, and the, the shows kids would tell me about. And, and I, would watch from time to time that it was very difficult to find real human beings. Um, there were lots of caricatures, you know, people dressed up in, in costumes, um, acting very childlike. Um, a good example being um, shows like Blue's Clues, mm-hmm. um, where it's an adult, but an adult acting in a very childlike way. Uh, or caricatures um, like uh, Lippy is a good example of an adult that's very cartoony like, like a live action cartoon. Mm-hmm. But when it came to actual uh, guides, teachers, nannies, uh, it was very difficult to find those anymore. And I didn't understand why, especially as our, our technology was evolving and we were going from these 
screens where we literally could talk through the screen the way that you know the people that I consider my predecessors used to pretend to talk through the screen. We could actually do it, um, and I was surprised that we weren't using those screens for more social emotional development. Really listening to the needs of the young child on the other side of the screen, and then supporting those needs through storytelling or or um, you know more more serious interactions too. So I started researching that, and and I, I decided I wanted to put uh, my effort into um, creating a a modern or present day version of a classic um, children's show. Yeah, which is, it is so important and needed. And, um, and that is really wonderful. Um, I, I love that. And I love that you're taking these, you know, classics like we talked about and, and bringing them into today. It's, it's so, it really is needed because uh, as we all know, media and technology is everywhere and it's not going anywhere right. and it's not always used in the most responsible of ways, <laughs> um, but it's, it's a big piece of young children's lives and we really have to think critically about what, what is the influence of the screen. I don't think screens are bad. I don't think television is bad or interactive media is bad. I, I really don't. I think it depends on how you use a tool, whether it's a, a screen or a stick in the playground. You know, there's plenty of teachers that'll say, <laughs> put down that stick. You're going to poke your eye out. Don't even touch it. There's only one potential outcome I can envision. Don't, don't risk it. And then there are other types of educators that say, oh, wow, this is great. You found a stick. You can do so many different things with a stick. You can build with it. You can create with it. You can, um, you might, you, know, you might hurt yourself with it. You could hurt someone else with it if you're not careful. But you have to learn how to use the tool responsibly. And I'm here to back you up. I'm your guide. And and whether it's a stick or a stone or a smartphone, it's really important for us to allow the space for that um, experimentation. Um, and offer our, our guidance based on our own experiences, um, even with young kids, um, because uh, it, it is, it's, 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 um, it's an important skill to have um, moving, moving forward, I think. Yes, I, I do too. And it, um, it does take up <laughs> a lot of space in our lives. Um, even, you know, I, I, I'm working with a family and there's no screen time, um, when mm -hmm. I am there, which is actually pretty normal for me. Um, and so, but it, it still, um, takes up a great deal of, of time. We were playing, um, this game the other day, that's kind of like snakes and ladders, but it's called emotional roller coaster. So when you <laughs> land on different things, you like have to share about, the emotion that's on the space that you landed on, like a time you felt that way, things like that. Um, and they have coping cards for when you have to go down the um, snake, you know, then you get this coping card of like how you can do what you can do to manage your feelings around that. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. It's a really wonderful game. Would recommend. Um, but you know, we were playing this and we were landing on different emotion card, like, names of emotions and they they have to t share a time and we got on this like 
TV jag of, <laughs> of hmm. every emotion related to their feelings about like either a TV show or just their, their desire to watch TV um, in general. And it was just, it was so interesting because it, it was taking up so much space and, and even with me, you know, cause I'm like, well, we've, we've never watched TV together. Like, this is not something that, that is part of our, that is part of our lives, um, mm. together. And so it was just really, it was, it was fascinating to me. And I, I know that, um, love of story is very present in children um, and uh, all humans, I, I do think, but mm-hmm. particularly with children. And so it just was, it's interesting to me because um, these are also really avid readers um, right. that, I'm, that I'm looking after, but the TV just gets them in a certain way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so, I think in the past, like um, passive screen, like there's, there's so many different types of screens now. So the, the passive screen, you, you observe it. And certainly you can project a little bit with characters and you can um, anticipate and you can relate. Um, but with uh, interactive screens, it's a, it's a very different type of um, engagement. And uh, I think of influence, you know, on either side of either side of this screen um, and, and the responsibilities that come with that. Um, you know, if there's is if there's a type of storytelling that you can participate in, um, where you can give feedback and you can be part of that story and you can create something together, that's that's a wonderful social um, opportunity. And sometimes passive stuff is great too. There there's there can be a positive influence there, um, but there can be negative influences too. You know, think of a, a you know YouTube for many children has just always been around and often it's used as a pacifier with, without judgment. Like, you know, I've right. certainly <laughs> found myself as I'm a father of, um, of two, two children now, almost 11 and almost, uh, uh, uh gosh, what a bad dad I am that I'm pausing on that nine. <laughs> I also... time, go, time goes so fast. And we went through this past year of quarantine where this weird, like, time loop happen and yes. I just get lost sometimes in that. that's what I've been saying time has <laughs> time has no meaning anymore <laughs> like no I don't know it? how old I am so I do not think that I that's so funny you said that because I literally I my birthday is coming up and I I right now I can't think of how old I'm turning right, <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know uh, but no. any 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 way though um the when I think of stuff that's on YouTube, um, we all know the issues that come up with with YouTube, right? You can you can start up with something that you feel is very positive, but the old algorithm will lead you into something that's not so positive. Um, and and one of the things that concerns me when I think of um, storytelling, you know, something that we've been seeing over the past five years, maybe a little bit more than that, the trend of the child influencer. Mm-hmm. and lots of issues that come with that. Um, you know, there's there's this sense of engagement and connection when a young child sees another young child on the other side of the screen, just playing, on uh, opening a box, playing with a toy. Um, the receiver, the, the child on the receiving end sees that, and there's a connection. This is a child, as a human being, they naturally connect with that child, they relate to that child. A, a, a almost level of friendship starts to form 
because of consistency, you know, that the kid, you know, presents many, many episodes and there's a sense of being with the other um, positive things. But then there's also this tricky stuff that happens of um, commercialism. Like ultimately the thing that your child is opening is something that, that creates a want for that same type of object. And then producers come in and see how many hits are happening, how many views are happening on that video. And they look at that child as a brand right. that that brand is now going to sell lots of merchandise. In fact, we can create merchandise with that kid's face on it. And, and it becomes this whole circle, unhealthy circle of taking advantage of not only the child receiving, but also the child on the creation side, young, young children in those videos aren't thinking about that stuff. Right. Um, and at the risk of sounding like, oh, the manipulation is coming from the parents, obviously the parents of children, of kid, quote, influencers love their children very much. But there's a lot of temptation on that side, too, of, oh, I can make a lot of good money doing this type of thing that will support my child. But it's it's just it, from the start, it's a very unhealthy type of dynamic um, that that the momentum of it takes off so quickly. Um, but when you look at the root of what's, where's the enrichment, where's what's being, what's, what's the um, social emotional objective or the academic objective? Like there really isn't one. It's, right. it's, you know, um, <laughs> so things, which is not, the cell, it's not right. social emotional. <laughs> no. And it might not have started that way, but um so that that evolves and then that becomes a path where other families are like, oh, cool, I can do the same sort of thing. And um, even with my own children, um, you know, uh, when, you know, the, 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 the old question of, hey, what, what do you think you might want to do as you get older? What do you want to be when you're growing up? You know, those questions come up with my kids and so many other kids now. Uh, fame. I want to be famous as an end goal. Well, that's not an end goal. That's a side effect of something that you might be passionate about or something that you're putting out into the world, you know, like, but, but it, it's become this strange <laughs> pathway now that I'm personally very um, concerned about. And, um, and I think we need to kind of step back and look at that, that influence, you know, on both ends of the screen and think about what are healthier ways to share our thoughts and ideas and feelings through these wonderful tools that um, that we can really, yeah, step back and look at, at what's the objective? What what do we want to share with each other? Um, uh, So so often I, on, on on dangerous treehouse and, and, you know, whether I'm teaching through the screen or, or in the classroom, I'll take a moment to, you know, acknowledge my, the phone that's always with me and say, I, you know, I like, I really do like my phone. It comes in really handy, but it's just a thing. This phone doesn't have thoughts and ideas and feelings. You have thoughts and ideas and feelings. I, I can use this tool to share my thoughts and ideas and feelings with you through this phone sometimes, but right now I don't need to do that. I'm with you right now. I'm turning this off. I'm here to be with you right now. Like that, like taking a pause to acknowledge that um, it's crucial, but we don't often do that like think of the last time you've told a young kid i like you more than my phone um because subconsciously kids see their adults and older kids looking at phones and screens all the time especially during the 
pandemic that we, right. we've been experiencing and is continuing now. Um, so there's a lot of subconscious lessons going there. So we really, again, need to come back to how do we communicate what's, what's truly important at a social emotional level, whether it's storytelling or just daily communication. Um, yeah. Big thoughts and ideas and feelings, speaking of. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate um, how you, you phrase that of, you know, that we can enjoy social media and phones and, and all of this technology, um, but keeping in mind that it's, it's a tool. I, I had an acting teacher um, in my former life as an actor who, mm-hmm. um, who always reminded us, you know, you can use a tool or you can be used by a tool um, mm-hmm. and just be aware of, <laughs> of how that relationship is going. Um, mm-hmm. Because, and because so often, you know, we do through not being mindful or, um, you know, there's a lot on our plates and it's hard. Sometimes it feels nice to like play the, you know, the candy crush and you're like, Oh, I, I crushed it. And that we get the the dopamine hit and it's wonderful. Um, but yes, it, it can also, um, really take away, especially when we are caring for children, what, what story are they telling themselves about how they fit in, um, to, to your relationship with, with technology and, and their own relationship with technology? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to go back to the, the stick analogy, you know, um, we choose how to use the tool, not the other way around social media is in its current form um, is like the stick without us even touching it, jumping up every once in a while and hitting us, you know, like out of nowhere, like, whoa, whoa, what, what was that? But then we're drawn back into working with it because there's so many benefits. Um, But there, there, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, glitches to be worked out still. Um, And it, 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 it also makes me think about um, when, when I see, um, so our, our, our kids model or we model behavior, our kids naturally pick it up. That's how young children learn, right? They look at the environment, they look at the adults around them, they look at their peers and the older kids and they, they mimic, they practice, they try stuff out. Look at a dramatic play corner in any preschool and you will get a really good idea of what home life is like through verbal play nonverbal play especially if you really watch you get an idea of you know what's going on and um and and you can you can peek into that subconscious we, we talked about that the last time i came on we like did, looking at yeah. the subconscious through play it's like looking at a a, a dreamer you know a, um, a lucid dreamer uh so with my work i've seen the the impact of um how young children see the relationship with with technology and tools. And sometimes it's healthy and sometimes it's not. Um, but just taking that moment to talk and play, um, verbal, nonverbal play about what's what's important. How do we how do we use our tools? How do we share our stories? Um, that's that's really important right now, especially during a time where we find ourselves relying on screens in a way that well, I think back to so many of the families that I 
serve in my in my own family too, purposefully saying we we only do a limited amount of screen time. We're going to ease our kids into it. We're going to, you know, and then being put in a position where, well, there's remote schooling and we've got, and we have full-time jobs and we've got to do something. And, um, and in positive ways, you know, so many artists and children's book authors and preschool teachers and kindergarten, you know, doing remote schooling or putting out great videos, you know, to help relieve the pressure of a lot of um, families, give kids something to engage with other than whatever was, you know, going on in the immediate household. Um, because parents might, you know, for a lot of justifiable reasons, couldn't be fully present, you know, right. not only for work, but to their own mental health, for goodness mm-hmm. sake. Um, yeah. So having some people to lean on to, and, and even, um, you know, grandparents doing Zooms and, and interactive screen stuff, like um, long story short, Screens became a much bigger part of young children's lives over the past year, almost two years now. And I think we're learning a lot of really important lessons really quickly, stuff that I've been talking about for a long time um, uh, regarding how do we use the screen? The people are more important than, than screens. Putting the focus on person before the, the tool is, is a big piece of it. Um, uh, yeah, during ah. I, I was just thinking like during quarantine, um, because of that need for extra screen time. After so many years of trying to get Danny Joe's Treehouse going, which has a very strong focus in social emotional stuff, which um, can be a very difficult quote sell in children's media because um, it's more complex and and it doesn't always appeal to the broadest audience, um, depending on the level of um, complexity, you know, on the topic, um, during quarantine, we suddenly became much more popular and, um, we, we ended up getting, um, picked up by Kadoodle, um, dot TV and sensical TV more recently from common sense networks and common sense media. And that was a big deal for us. Um, cause those are two platforms that I, I, I actually trust it's, it's not algorithms and AI. It's all the content is reviewed by, um, early childhood educators and and child specialists and and parents and grandparents. So it's it's a human based review process, and the way that they present it is very authentic. And it's not you know there's there's some commercial um, 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 backup, but it's easy to navigate that and change with settings. Um, mm. But uh, but there are, I guess I'm bringing that up, one, quite honestly, to promote that. <laughs> I hope yeah. people watch Tejo's Treehouse. But uh, also to say that um, even though there are, are these platforms that I've personally lost trust when, when it comes to social media, just being burnt myself and, and seeing others, you know, um, taken advantage of and manipulated and conditioned, I've, I've backed away from social media completely. But I see these other platforms coming up that have a more um, people first approach, um, which is important because again, the tools aren't going anywhere. We need, we need these tools, uh, but um, we can use them more responsibly. Yes, I completely agree. And I, I love that you mentioned about the um, Kadoodle and Sensical TV 
um, and the Common Sense Networks. Like, I love that that it is early childhood educators on there and that mm-hmm. there is this place, you know, and, and Danny Joe's Treehouse being a huge part of that where people are like making sure that the content that is being created is um, aimed at the, the growth and well-being of the children on the other side of that screen. Yes. Yeah. It, it really is important. And I'm hoping we'll see more um, not only streaming platforms, but also um, social platforms too uh, that can be done in, in an appropriate way without commercial influence and, and you know, the, the um, say the most negative thing positive, possible to create division so that you get as many um, hits as possible. And then the algorithm oh, loves it. And then, you know, there's obviously a larger impact in, in real life um, that, that is quite negative. We've all seen that. If anyone's not seen, you know, documentaries like The Social Dilemma, check, check that out and, and think about, you know, what the real benefits are for you being on social media um, as it is today, things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter um, for all the benefit, you know, benefits that come with it. There's a lot of negative stuff too. You were talking about that dopamine hit of, you know, when someone likes you or acknowledges you or you've, or, or you've put something creative out into the world and, and you feel good about sharing that. That's great. That's all the good stuff. Like we can, we can hang on to that stuff. Um, but the manipulative stuff that gets in there, um, we really need to um, weed weed that out. And from my perspective, uh, I think the only way to really do that is to not use those platforms. Like if if you've been hurt more than once, more than twice, more than three times, uh, it might be time to walk away from stuff like that, which I know is easier said than done. But I would I would encourage folks to think about well. If, if you've found yourself saying things like, well, it's a necessary evil or um, how else am I going to connect with my family and friends? Mm-hmm. Some major conditioning has happened in your life. You know, like you, there are so many other ways for you to connect with your family and friends in a more authentic way. And there are so many um, ways for you to share thoughts and ideas and feelings in an authentic way that will not hurt you and will not hurt others. There's so much manipulation with those platforms right now. I've, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. I've, I've really, it's really lost my trust and it angers me how, how much um, manipulation happens with platforms like that. But I look to other things um, that are coming up, um, uh, p- platforms that are more responsible from the start, um, specific, specifically with kids, I think of, um, Epic um, and uh, um, um, Go Bubble, and like there, there are these different. And, not, and I'm not promoting any particular. Um, I'm not endorsed by any platform or anything like that. But it's, right. um, but there, there are these options that came up with kids first and uh, mental health in general. You know that that was the base of forming those things. Whereas things like you know, Facebook is the biggest example. They've just gotten out of control. (laughs) Um, uh, Earlier in the summer, I made, um, I I was, well, so I was reading um, that Facebook was in the process of developing a version of Instagram for young children under the age of 13. 
And and I was like, oh, what an awful idea. You know, it just (laughs) gave me a huge amount of pause because, you know, I think I thought about what what has happened in my own experience, um, not, not just as a host of a kid's show, but just as a, you know, someone interacting with family and friends at a personal level, lots of negative impact. And I've seen negative impact with friends and family too, manipulation and division and all, all that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, the idea of bringing young children into that, um, it's just, it just seems um, mad, mad to me. Um, it, it definitely from the outside, like I, I have no foot inside the system of social media at all, but I've, I've seen that huge platforms as popular as they are um, like Facebook, they're losing trust. And often when something that big starts to lose trust, uh, a shift often um, leans towards young children hook them when they're young. Um, Think of uh, um, ad campaigns for cigarettes and alcohol that that's what came to my mind too. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. We can think of, you know, camel. uh, I can't remember the name of the cigarette brand, but brands that started using um, logos and characters that were very, you know, kid friendly or, or wine coolers that taste like grape and, you know, water, like that there's, the, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's so many people going, I don't know, Danny Joe, I think you're kind of stretching it, but, but there's something there. And, and I think that if you're targeting a young kid for social, that type of social media, um, and, and, and I also, well, here's another thing. I, I know for a fact that m- many of my colleagues in children's media were brought in to work on that platform to make sure that um, something like Instagram for kids is appropriate for young children. But um, why, um, why go there? I, I use another analogy. Um, you know, the old story of the, the farmer that let the snake in, um, the ill snake in and the snake, um, after the farmer uh, brought it back to health, the snake bit the farmer and the farmer said, well, why, why did you bite my hand? And the snake says, well, you knew I was a snake when you brought me in. We know, (laughs) we know that, um, uh, certain things are unhealthy for us. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised when they hurt us again and again and again. Um, so it's like, it's like that snake is now saying, Hey, I know I bit you, but I'm a really good babysitter. Um, why, why on earth, (laughs) why on earth would we trust them? Um, so that that's, I feel, feel pretty passionate about that, obviously. Um, but I've been doing a lot of research into that and, and, um, talking with other colleagues and I, and I started doing interviews with my own, um, uh, which will become a podcast eventually, um, uh, which I'm calling Cookies for Breakfast. Sounds like a good idea, but if you really step back and look at it, cookies, cookies for breakfast all the time is not the most healthy thing. Well, I um, also love it because like cookies, like how websites track you. Yes, there's some double meaning there yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, a person, I've, I've who, t- <laughs> a person who named her podcast Chronicles of Nania. I love a good uh, pun and a double meaning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, yeah the, some of the people that I've talked to have been in children's media and media in general for a long time. I talked with um, Howard Blumenthal, who created um, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego and um, the original um, body actor for Barney from Barty and Friends and um, Dr. Scott, the paleontologist from Dinosaur Train. Like people that were that have earned our trust over the years 
but also really understand early childhood development and the impact of traditional passive media and are thinking about interactive media and also have a lot of concerns when they look at um, large social media companies, TikTok, you, you name it, really focusing in on young kids who are so susceptible and easily um, influenced and conditioned. And uh, I think we really have to think carefully about um, as, as, as individuals, as nannies, as parents, as caregivers, you know, how are we going to teach our kids to be critical thinkers as they're coming up in this age? Because the screens we're using now, as advanced as we feel they are, they're going to be the sticks and stones of, right. of the, the, you know, when who knows what's coming out in the future, you know, it's been projected some of the potential um, tools. We've all read about them. Um, and I'm not trying to like fear monger or anything. Like, I, again, I like technology. It's a, you, you decide how to use the tool. But we've, I think it's really important that we start thinking more critically about what are we putting into our bodies? What are we putting into our subconscious? And why are we introducing, you know, how, what's the impact of introducing those sort of things to young kids um, who are still developing socially, emotionally? Like, we need to think that out and, and think about how are we going to use these sticks? What are, you know, what are, what are we going to, um, what's the healthy diet? You know, what are we putting into our bodies? Um, I, I think I, I I know that I, I put a lot of effort into um, Danny Joe's Treehouse as a as a healthy thing that's on on um, screens and and um, streaming um, and there, but I, I know that there's also other healthy options out there too but they're not necessarily the most popular of things. Um, going back to the cookie analogy, if if <laughs> and, 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 you know if I put out on a breakfast table a bunch of cookies on one plate and a bunch of fruit on another plate, you know what? Chances are kids are going to go for the cookies and who, who would blame them. But if the next day I brought out more cookies and more fruit and again and again and again, um, that, you know, sit back and watch the experiment, right? Like, right. At, at a certain point, stepping even further out of that type of an experiment, who's the person bringing out the platter and why are you presenting it to the kids? Like right. you have to, you, you're the one making the decision of what to feed your children, you know, why not instead grow a garden, show them how to grow a garden and, and take responsibility and grow healthy food and harvest that food and come up with fun and creative ways to make fruit salads and, and, and veggie pizzas. And, you know, like, like it takes more work. It's more of an investment, but ultimately it's much healthier. I've been using so many analogies during this interview. I hope it's not annoying. No, I love it. I am a huge analogy user myself. This episode is sponsored by Our Nanny Diary. I am so excited to tell you about Our Nanny Diary because I have used this product in my nanny day and it is a total game changer. I use their communication log, which is a bound book that you get that you can communicate with parents. And it's so wonderful because it is made by nannies for nannies. So the the way that it is formatted and laid out is so 
great for making communication easy without as much mental load from you. They have cues for exactly what you should write down and check boxes for things like what time a, a diaper change happened, things like that. Um, but they're also more than just communication logs. They have amazing downloadable packets that can offer help to families and nannies. They have downloads that help with household management, templates for check-in meetings, which can be hard to navigate if it's your first time, specific downloads for infant care and a nanny educator bundle with lesson plans and more. They even have introduced a nanny evaluation bundle when it's time to discuss that raise, which is so helpful. And coming soon, they have a nanny onboarding bundle to ensure success with new nanny family relationships. I highly recommend you visit OurNannyDiary.com and look at the choices that would work well for you and your nanny day. Be sure to follow them on social media, Facebook and Instagram for great resources, specials, tips to use their diaries, and more. Visit OurNannyDiary.com today. Um, I'm curious because you mentioned about in Danny Joe's Treehouse how you've, you've really been thoughtful about how to make that... Um, a, a healthy social emotional media opportunity for kids. I'm curious about how, like, what can caregivers look for in media? What are some signs of good, healthy media? And, you know, feel free to use Danny Joe's Treehouse as an example of, of what we can look for. What makes good media? I think, I think what I'll do is I'll go with like an, an abstract because um, yeah. obviously I, I, I do want to plug dangerous Treehouse cause I'm very proud of it. And, and because it's so I'm not good on, y'all. Oh, thank it's you. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but because right at the time, ironically that we got picked up by Kadoodle and by Sensical, that was right around the same time that I made the choice to leave all social media, which is as a very small independent producer was my only way to market and let people know, hey, we're doing this thing. So I haven't been able to connect to say, oh, we're on Sensical and Kadoodle. Right. So unless you find us, you know, uh, randomly, people don't really know. So I'm, I'm trying to get creative and, and, and figure out new ways to, to spread the, the word. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so examples of, of shows, so what to look for. Um, so, uh, Finding and it's it's like picking out a good book, right? Mm -hmm. um, a good children's book. You you look at the cover. Um, that's and the cover can be very bright and colorful and exciting, um, at, but it's you, you can't really judge a book by a cover, right? You have to right. take the time to get in and look at what the the message is. So, um, going to any platform, whether it's YouTube or Kadoodle or Sensical or whatever. Um, if you're just going off of what's the most pop, like what's the thing that gets the most hits, um, the thing that has the most views isn't necessarily the best thing. It's, it's the thing that gets the most clicks. And often creators will design stuff in a way that is about getting views. It's about stimulation. There, there's a reason why so much of children's media looks very similar um, looking at animation, 
big, big heads with big, big eyes and high-pitched voices and bright, bright colors and sudden changes that's almost like flashing, like from scene to scene, almost stroby. Like that's that's a stimulation-based get-your-attention approach. And it's, it's, it's going to grab your attention and it's going to hold you, right? Um, right. That's stimulation, but that's, that's different from engagement. Engagement can be slow in pace. It, 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 it doesn't have to have the high-pitched voice. Um, every once in a while, that's great, but it's, it's, it's like the cookie. You, right. you know, have a sweet every once in a while, but um, also make time for um, the calm, soothing sounds and the things that um, allow for pause. Y- young children, when, when you ask a young child a question, you know, there's in children's media, there's that classic thing where the host, live action host, will ask an open-ended question, look at the screen and pause as if they're, they're waiting for the response, right? Because mm-hmm. we know that kids are forming an idea and, and responding. But that takes a really long time with young children because they're really processing and thinking. And so often adults in the classroom, face-to-face in, in, in the home, um, will rush children. You know, I, well, I, what would you like? I said grapes or apple. Which one would you like? A few beats go by and then, you know, we, we might repeat it, grapes or apple. Well, well, kids might be in their mind thinking about different types of fruit that they like. Well, I don't like, I don't want either of those. I like bananas. And that makes me think of, you know, when my mom made me a special treat with, you know, like there, there might be so much going on inside. So allowing for those long pauses are important because it's, it's, it's more than stimulation. It's engagement. It's encouraging the child to think. Uh, the difference between telling a kid what to think mm-hmm. versus how to engage in the process of thinking, allowing for that space. Um, often in children's media, there'll be like a strategy. Like if you want this to happen, do this, this, then this, and then you will learn the lesson. And then they repeat it um, throughout the episode. Do this, this, and this to get this. Do this, this, and this to get this. The door of the Explorer that- format. <laughs> We're going to go here, here, and here, and then we'll find the thing. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great example. And, and it's sticky. And at the end of the episode, the kid will say what you've trained them to say. And as the parent, we, or caregiver, we step back and go, oh, they have learned something. They're repeating what was right. And that is one way to, to educate. Um, But it's very much what to think as opposed to, what do you think about this? How do you find your own answers? Um, processing a big idea. Um, and that's, that's the other thing. You can talk about anything with a young child. The big world impacts young children just as much as it impacts um, adults. We, we might like to think of childhood as this very carefree time, but there's a, there's a, there's a trickle down, even if they don't know the details of what's going on. They're, they're very perceptive. They're still picking up on, on big, big concepts or the emotional impact of those big concepts, right? If mom and dad or, or whomever the adults are in, in the family are experiencing something deep and emotional, kids perceive that, right? right. So we, we can address and process that stuff in, in a children's program um, uh, on, on Treehouse or, or Rogers or, um, uh, uh, gosh, I, <laughs> yeah. um, 
sorry, I'm only giving those two examples, but no, there's yeah. there's so many like very positive like live action Bluey. shows. Bluey, I've heard, I've heard. Bluey, Bluey wonderful really example. Wonderful. Thank you, Martha. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like really slowing down and talking about deep, heavy stuff, but in such an abstract way, where if if you're not ready for that direct conversation, whatever the topic might be, you're still able to start to learn how to process, just right. be in a space and allow for the time to, to work through something, to process something. Um, it's very meditative. It's very centering. Like it's good for, if it feels good for you as an adult viewer mm-hmm. too, like if you're like, oh, I feel, I don't know exactly what I'm learning, but this makes me feel better. Like I'm, I'm, right. I'm calmer. You know, like if like that, I think that's something to look for in all of our media, but for, for children's media too. And to have that balance, you know, it's like, it's, it's a well-balanced diet. Sometimes you have your veggies every once in a while, have some dessert, but go for the healthy stuff. Um, Boy, I don't know if that answered. It really did. And I, (laughs) it made me think of, um, I, it made me think of like, if you are learning as a caregiver too, because one of the things that I love about um, Daniel Tiger, um, mm. which, which, you know, is <laughs> Mr. Rogers, but the cartoon version yeah, now. Generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I love about that show and, and the music, I, I haven't watched, <laughs> I haven't had screen time with kids in a very, very long time. Cause I work with very young children, but mm-hmm. um but we listen to the music from Daniel Tiger all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like Daniel Tiger and Bluey in particular, I think do such a lovely job of educating the caregivers on yes. like how you can <laughs> approach some of these things. Cause the kids are learning, but when I watch those shows or listen to those songs or, or anything like that, like I'm learning too. You hit such an important point. Like that's another really important thing to look for. It, I think the best children's media isn't just talking to the child. It's right. also talking to that adult caregiver that's close by, giving lots of winks and nods and encouragement. Um, you know, look look at the strategy we're we're doing. Look at the guidance we're doing. You know, there, a really great presenter or host can speak to more than one audience at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, that's that's a that's a Man, that's something I've been trying to learn how to do for many, many years, looking at the the, the masters of children's media. Um, but yeah, um, that 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 reassurance that speaks to all human beings, um, but also the um, you know the lesson to the child that might be on the surface one thing, but there's that under underlining meaning too. Um, that you know a, a deeper meaning might come out later on you know, upon multiple um, views or the adult might be like, oh, that's such a great way to say what I've been thinking about, you know? Um, And often with children's media, like I know with my stuff, all all of our storylines come from the families that we serve. Like we get so many letters from families who are experiencing lots of different social, emotional um, experiences, or, or I'll be in the class. I work in lots of different classrooms doing um, puppet therapy based play-based work. Like all, all of these stories that come out of, of play or, you know, direct language through letters and things, we take those stories and then we put them through the, 
the filter of of play and um, abstraction um, so that you can just go into that dream and process a little bit. And um, yeah, sometimes there might be a strategy for like, you know, slowing down and taking a deep breath is a great, great thing to do when you're feeling overwhelmed. You know, there might be a specific thing like that, but then modeling of slowing down and not speaking and just letting the music take us for a ride or, or, or allowing for silence and looking at something very peaceful for a while. Um, you know, just creating a healthy environment to, to process, um, Nannies are great at that, um, and and so are early childhood educators. Um, create the environment for the child to go into to flourish, right? Like right. you don't have you don't have to constantly talk at a child and lecture to teach a lesson. Oh, gosh, you, you, yeah. you can you can create an environment for them to find the answers on their own, or process, or not have an answer, but just know they're in a safe place where they can just be. Um, that that can exist in a in a in a media experience. Um, if if the the host is pre- or or caregiver is, you know, prepared that space, right? Yes, I I did an activity this week where, uh, you know, I I'm constantly learning uh, from the children that I care for. They they teach me so much, and mm-hmm. I did uh, an activity where we were doing sorting of these little like that we had some erasers and some like kind of big glitter shapes, stars, hearts, things like that. And, um, just little like pocket treasures. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we were sorting them and I made this, you know, beautiful, like chart thing with the colors. And I was like, we can put it. And like, while I was starting to do all of that, the kid just started drawing circles on a piece of paper and writing, you know, like, how he was like how do you spell blue (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. you know just writing it out and his was better than mine like it had spots for things that mine didn't have spots for and it just was such a lovely reminder and lesson to me that that the my own perfectionism can get in the way and kids are such a lovely reminder of like you don't have to do it perfect just Mm -mm start it and like sit with yeah. me and do it with me and we'll do it. Yes. Yeah. Just have someone, to, just having someone to be with you is so important, especially right now. I think so many of us have felt, even if you're within a family unit or, or a close community, there's um, like loneliness, isn't quite the right word for it, but isolation might come closer to it. You yeah. know, and, and, and this concern of, um, I know something that our kids were, many children we're dealing with was um, when do we go back? Right. Right. Or what's going to happen next. And that was something as a parent, um, um, my wife and I, we we were struggling with that because we just didn't have the answers uh, until eventually we, we realized um, we can't go back ever. Like the, like the past is the past. We can learn from our past and we don't know what's going to happen in the future ever. We can predict, we can make a guess, but we don't know. But, but we can absolutely be present and be together in this moment and make the most of this moment and um, might not have the answers, but we're, we're together. We can be like um, just being can be enough, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's nice to know that you're not alone because um, it's really easy to fall into that. Oh, I'm the only one having this type of experience, and and certainly everyone's experience is unique. Um, but you know, humans we have a lot of similarities, and um, oddly enough, going back to social media, social media can create these um, these divisions, the sense of looking at the the other as an idea deal or is something that maybe we're afraid of or we're angry at or you know we feel separated from um, but um, there's there's more common concern um, and we might have different responses to those common concerns but we're we're human we're very human um, regardless of all our different cultural differences and beliefs and non-beliefs and you, you, you name it um, there's so much division right now in 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 our country and the world in general I think right. um, so yeah, having those moments to model the behavior of we're we're together. We're in the safe. We can create these safe spaces to be together and inspire one another, and uh, that that can be more than more than enough during during hard times. I think. Agreed. Agreed. And that how you phrase that of of this feeling of isolation, I, I think is true for all humans. And I think that it's, um, you know, because this is a nanny resource podcast, I, mm-hmm. I have found that this is n- nannying by nature is somewhat isolating because mm-hmm. we're, you know, we don't necessarily have coworkers. There's no, uh, water fountain to gather around or anything. Um, right. And so we have to create our own connections with other nannies. And a lot of that has been taken away during COVID of like, you know, I used to have nanny friends that we would just all go to the house of the the parent that wasn't there, um, Mm -hmm. or we could take our pick because no parents were working from home. And, um, you know, we could all just kind of pile into a house, but now it's like, we have to meet outside. We have to meet at a specific time at a specific place. And, you know, that's a lot harder to do. And so we just don't have as many points of connection with other nannies. And, um, you know, we keep getting, I, I have experienced either I am texting or the other nanny is texting, like, you know, like the zoo is not going to happen today. Like we, we just like, we're not in that right mental headspace for the zoo today. Um, things like that. And so it just, what you said, I think is, is important for us to keep in mind for kids, but it's also important for us to keep in mind as caregivers, um, of that, that feeling within us as well. Um, and how lovely it is that we, as nannies do have the time to really sit and be present with children. Um, and, and that can fill our buckets. Yes. Yeah. And it takes that, it takes that practice too, right? Like, um, we were talking before we started recording about, um, mistakes aren't bad. Like we all mess up. We all evolve over time. You know, none of us are perfect. You know, the practice makes perfect thing. I've never believed in, (laughs) you know, like, I, I'll, I'll, I, I ended up writing a song called um, practice makes better, you know, like I, 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 I can get behind that. Um, but yeah, it takes it. Yeah. It takes experience and time and mistakes and, 
And there's not like this end goal, right? Like what's our perfection? What's the perfection moment going to be? Like, you know, that's, I haven't, I haven't found it. I don't think there is one. I think, I think, I it's think we're, we're, it's, yeah, well, it's a story, right? right. Like so often, um, gosh, going back, we can, boy, we can circle back to all of our points, like earliest children's media, the nursery rhymes and the fairy tales, um, the, the legends, all that stuff. There's children's media and art in general. It's always been a reflection of the moment, right? Like mm-hmm. it's an abstraction of that, of that moment. And it's supposed to teach a moral maybe, um, or, um, um, you know, educate in one way or another. Uh, but, uh, uh, often it's, it's just, um, yeah, a, re- a reflection of, of where we're at. And sometimes, uh, depending on who's telling the story, there's the ideal, you know, like the, the fairy princess, you know, who right. will be rescued, you know, like, that's not, you know, that's not helping anybody for, you know, it doesn't like, you know, that doesn't fit with who the complexities of who each individual is. Um, So we've got to, you know, create these new stories that are reflective of where we are and what our, not what, not what the ideal is. I don't think it necessarily, but like just a reflection of who, of who we are you know, all the great stuff and all the not so great stuff so that we can step back and see ourselves. Um, mm. that, that, that seems pretty important. Um, yeah. So, so often, you know, the stuff of childhood is just taken for granted, you know, whether it's, uh, the stories that we tell or the way that we educate, you know, that's, you know, the phrase that's kids stuff, you know, it's right. not, that's not that big of a deal, but it's really important. Like early ourselves as young human beings, that's the foundation stuff. That's, that's helping to set up who, who we are and how we perceive and how we, you know, process and figure things out and self-regulate. And, and um, I don't know, I've always, I'm kind of rambling, but I've always, I've always thought of um, an adult as a, uh, just a vessel of a, our earlier selves, you know, like for sure, we're, we're a super experienced kid, but we're still kids, you know, like we're still vulnerable. We still make mistakes. We still, we're still growing and evolving. And there's a sense of, you know, we have to um, be, be the leaders and know exactly what to do, but we don't always. And that's, that's, that's okay too. It's okay to acknowledge that and take the breath and, and just keep trying. Um, Huge thanks to all the nannies that are listening, by the way. In general, I, I know what a hard job it is, but over this past year, 10 times is challenging. And, you know, you're, you're doing it, <laughs> you know, you're, you're hanging in there. Um, so good, good job for what it's, for what it's worth. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and completely agree. I, I, um, I, I know we've lost a lot of nannies, uh, not, I, I, we've lost to, the craft. A lot to, to, yeah, to the craft of, um, because of burnout and things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah. which, which also, you know, take care of your own mental health and I totally get it, but, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I am really grateful for, uh, those who have, who have found a way to, um, continue on. And it is, I mean, it's, it's very, very difficult, um, right now as, as, is everything. Um, but, but yeah, thank you for saying that. Cause I, <laughs> I feel very <Yeah>. seen. <laughs> 
good. That's it, right? That's that's been like this theme that keeps coming uh, around in in Treehouse. Everybody just wants to be acknowledged. Every everybody deserves to be acknowledged and and seen. Um, we we should see ourselves in our media. We should you know, regardless of our shape, size, color, you know, cultural identity, all that stuff. Like we should we should be seen and acknowledged. Um, and we, yeah, going back to Treehouse, we try really hard to, to um, do that. Like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's in the category of a preschool show, but I know for a fact that um, a lot of our audience is also college kids and retiree, like people in nursing homes and like anybody that's going through transition, like, right. We, we we made a show that was about um you know that that moment of transition like that you know working through something and needing some affirmation and knowing that you're in a safe place like that's what i wanted dangerous tree has to be a, about um so even if you don't show if you decide not to show it to your or watch it with your young children if you need a uh a, a, a virtual hug of sorts <laughs> you should watch danny joe's treehouse every once in a while because um, none of it's none of it's it's all authentic all the everything that i say on that is is very true yes yes it is it does feel like a hug in a show uh that's a really good way to put it um <laughs> yeah well okay if people want their hugs <laughs> where did where did they find where do they find you how can they well, get to you the the easiest thing to do is to go to dannyjoestreehouse.com and from there you'll find links to um sensical and to kadoodle and um they're both free platforms you can you can pay a little bit extra for like some parent resources or to um not have any um commercials at the beginning of the shows which is something that still bothers me but it's um under the category of um uh, necessary evil. You have to pay right. for stuff. Um, it's funny to see an episode of Dangerous Treehouse on Kadoodle, and then all of a sudden, about halfway through, there's a commercial for Fruit Loops. <laughs> it's like what? Like I'm still not used to that. And 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 I'm not seeing any of that Fruit Loop money. By the way, that's that's oh. all stuff just to keep the platform going. Um, they don't but even. We are, we, they don't even send you free boxes. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Um, not yet. I'm more of an oatmeal guy anyway, yeah, so that's yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, not to throw Fruit Loops under the bus, but um, uh, no, like that's that is what it is. But but anyway, you can you can get to Kadoodle and you can get to Sensical through um, uh, Dangerous Treehouse. I, I think at Kadoodle in their search bar, you just type in Danny or Danny Joe and you'll find us. And in um, Sensical, they organize everything by developmental age group oh. and um, their educational reviewers team put us specifically in the two to four-year-old section so if your um, children that you serve are in that age group you would you'll follow the prompts and and you'll find us in the two to four-year-old section Um, and those are the only two places where you can view us now we're not on youtube and we're um (laughs) well i left facebook one of the other things that irks me about facebook they still haven't closed our dangerous treehouse page even though i don't i don't want i don't want it there 
and I did all this stuff, but we're still up there. Um, so I guess if you really wanted to, you could see some of the old live stream stuff on Facebook, but please don't go back on Facebook. Give yourself a break. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. And, um, for, um, nannies and, and other listeners who want to know more about, um, cookies for breakfast, where can they find that? Yes. Well, I'm, uh, hopefully it's going to turn into a, a, a really um, great podcast like yours. Um, oh. But for right now, we're still, it's still in early development. I've just been recording uh, episodes and putting them up on YouTube. So if you um, go on YouTube and you look up uh, um, cookies for breakfast with Danny Lebrec, you will, you will find us there. Wonderful. And um, yeah, maybe you can, maybe you can throw out a link or two. Yes. So all of those links actually will be down in the show notes, um, as well as a link to uh, Danny Joe's first episode. So if you haven't listened to it, you can click right on there and it will take you um, to that episode because it's it's really good. And and I I loved today's conversation and I loved that conversation. I still think about that conversation from four years ago. Um all the time working with kids because it is, you know, play is so important. And when I facilitate play, I, I think about your words a lot. So, um, Oh, wow. Well, that means a lot to me. I think about that conversation a lot too. And it was, um, I think it came right after one of my visits to Nanny Palooza where yeah. it was more of a conference sort of setting. And, and I was definitely in that like step-by-step -step sort of, um, thinking of, of how to process and, and apply the language of um, communication through play. Right. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that episode too. Um, and you, and yeah, if you watch that episode of Treehouse, you'll see how it's very much applied there too. And it's easy. It's so instinctive. It's very much the earliest way that all human beings communicate. Um, and it'll, it just makes you feel better. So it yeah. It really, it really does. Um, well, yes. Thank you for uh, letting us know about where we can find you because I just, I, I completely agree with the, the hug um, feeling that you get from uh, interacting with the media that you create. So um, yeah. Well, we end each episode with a cute, fun story and Danny Joe has brought one. I have, I have. So my, um, so I make all of my own um, sets and puppets for Danny Joe's Treehouse, and all of the um, puppets slowly grow out of interactions with kids in the classroom. So when I first go into a classroom, I'll I'll pull out a paper bag or a sock, and I'll just hold it up slowly, and I'll just say, "How do you think this?" Uh, I'll name it Puppet. How do you think this puppet is feeling today? And then I don't say a word and I just let the kids very naturally project their own thoughts and ideas and feelings onto this, this object, this communication tool. And if a child says, oh, he's, he or she, or they are sad, then I start moving in a sad way. And then follow-up questions will, will occur. Well, why, why do you think that? And, and it just keeps evolving over time and slowly these characters come out of it. And that's how we got um, Kingsley, our little bossy authoritarian 
king puppet. And that's how we got the good knight sweetheart, who's a, a protector that doesn't hurt. Um, and Ali Ali Oxenfree and all of these characters on Treehouse. Well, the, the latest one is a, um, a chicken named Oops. And uh, <laughs> so Oops is the best friend to a caveman. Um, uh, yeah. Um, named Allie. Ali and Oops. Oh, okay. And um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the chicken really wants to fly in the sky, but chickens can't fly in the sky. Yeah. So, um, so Ali wants to help the chicken fly in the sky. So we started brainstorming as a group. How can we get this chicken to fly in the sky? And, and <laughs> the stuff the kids come up with, it's great. And, and, and the thing is, it never, ever, ever works because it's right. no matter what you do, it's still a chicken. Like, right. like, you know, he might go up for a little bit, but he's coming back down, but they don't care. Like going back to making mistakes and failures, failures are great. And what, and that's a really important lesson. And, and I found it really interesting that during this time, um, that, that, that was, that became the, the focus uh, for the group you know, that it was, it was all about, we just, we just got to keep trying. Um, so yeah. You, you, yeah, you can see, and not to, not to sound all pluggy, but you can see <laughs> Ali and Oops in season two, um, when chickens fly is the name of the episode. Oh. Um, but that all became, that all came out of just this open-ended play and, and, you know, the cutesy names, you know, get at, added on, um, by, by me. Um, but, and the sounds of the voices and everything, but, but the storylines, again, it all came from the kids. Um, and the, and the cute, the cute story was, um, one kid said, um, that, um, Allie, the caveman lived up on a hill mm -hmm. and he was really, really lonely. And he already, um, figured out how to make a wheel. Um, so, um, the kids suggested that we strap the chicken oops to the wheel and just push him off the hill. <laughs> and, 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 and I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, well, what happens when it gets to the bottom of the hill? And the kid said without, without a, 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 a beat, um, oh, the hill goes back up. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah. What goes down, it goes back up. You know, like it's, that's, that, you know. So yeah, you might be rolling down the hill, but just know there's, there, you know, you'll, you can go back up. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's really great. And also the image of a chicken strapped to a wheel rolling down and then back up a hill is so fun. <laughs> Thank you for, for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Oh, my, my pleasure. Um, and, and, and just for kicks, this is, this is what, um, oops, the chicken sounds like. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, Danny Joe. This was such a delight as it, it's as a lovely it always visit. is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about serious stuff. We talked about um, heavy stuff and then some silly and carry. It's, it's like we went through the, all of the emotions. We did. Love it. That's the sign of a good, of a good episode to me. Um, <laughs> and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. The Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. 
To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.